We have three sizes. We, not so we, and friggin' huge! Broadcasting from a subterranean location just outside of our nation's capital, this is the Naptown Underground. Are you ready? Let's get it all! What's your favorite drug? Mine's coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I've been looking at coffee a lot. I'm like, it's just like, it's like the uh, societal uh, acceptable cocaine. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was listening to somebody talk about that, um, and it was an interesting perspective. It's like, yeah, well, that's, you know, the reason it's not illegal is, is because it helps and increases uh, the potency of the workforce. You know, yeah. people get to work longer Fuck and work yeah. better and work more diligently. So, yeah, well, okay, that drug's fine. In fact, sure. we'll import it. In fact, we'll enact free trade laws so that we can buy <laughs> as much as we want from other countries. And I finally found out why free trade is kind of like shitty. And Why it's basically it? because other places around the world won't be able to say no to international goods. Oh. So international trade always goes through complicated processes and taxing. Yeah. And so sometimes they go, well, in our country, we're not going to buy your Japanese cars. How about that? And they go, oh, shit. <laughs> That's you know 10,000 units down this a year or something. And free trade tries to nullify all that and like nope we're just gonna sell and buy wherever so it's making commerce more and more that's like i think sort of the spearhead of um what alex jones is really afraid of like the new yeah. world order and globalization commerce is like at the forefront of that Whoa. it's tearing down those international controls yeah yeah now do you think it is um it is a controlled by a cabal of of dastardly folks or is it more of just a natural process of just like well profit works here and profit works there i don't know yeah. it's tough to say that's it's, one of those ones where yeah. usually i turn my nose up at the cabal stuff but yeah. um that's the hard one because i mean that's internet that's money yeah. so the people who control those those rules are you know politicians senate congress yeah. classic stuff yeah. but whose money are we talking about right. we're talking about billions and billions probably trillions if you count everyone and that's money doesn't belong to them. So you're going to say that government is putting rules on trillions of dollars? I mean, uh, people w who want that money and people who's, whose that money is, they're going to want to have a say. Yeah. So there's got to be some really high-powered... Like, who wrote the Trans-Pacific Partnership? Yeah. You know, it wasn't Obama. He signed it, but yeah. he didn't fucking... You know, and I, don't, I doubt it was um, too many like congressmen were sitting down coming up with that because I don't think they really know the dirty details you know there's yeah. too much all this tariffing and taxing it's very complicated yeah so yeah I well and then and then when they have meetings like the G20 summit and you're like oh it's all you fuckers are just showing up to one place to go talk <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. it's, it's not so conspiratorial it's more like well in the military like the officers met with the officers and we didn't really talk to them in the enlisted ranks they didn't really tell us what to do mm -hmm. or they, you know they would only i'm sorry what i meant was the officers wouldn't hang out with us they would hang out in their own thing and then they would just pass down the work yeah and i think it i think that <clears throat> i think the military model is um pretty realistic if you look at the way the world works like oh that guy's shirt matches his pants he's in that club <laughs> <laughs> that guy likes khakis a lot no. he's got really <laughs> slick shoes yeah, I saw. I was down the street. This is total, <laughs> total aside. Total, total ridiculous aside. Yeah. But down Shift on Maine or whatever, there was that's. It's like a boat shoe kind of outlet. You can't get anything under like a hundred bucks on these oh, very yeah. 
leather boat shoes and stuff. Uh, and they were, they had a tattoo artist, and he was tattooing brown leather shoes for free if you bought the shoes. Oh. I was almost tempted. I was like, ah, those look comfy. But I was like, I don't have that kind of money. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't have a problem with uh, with with wealthy people and, and what they want to do with the world until they're like, we're just going to dump all this toxic waste in this lake because we don't give a shit. Because because it's it's not because we don't give a shit because it's more profitable yeah. for us to 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 pollute the world and then pay the fines that are going to come from the EPA or whoever. Um, it, it's just it's a better business decision for us to destroy this wetland. Like that's when it's like fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So like that seems to be the line. Like yeah, you can do what you want right. on your own time, kind of thing. But as soon as it starts encroaching. You know, and that seems to be a pretty classic dichotomy between any two groups. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. Like, well, there is some logistical battles. Like, let's take uh, the amount of people that 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 are in one area, and uh, and say, well, how do we deal with the sewage for all the people in Baltimore? Right. Like that is an actual problem. That's a there's there's one big sewage plant, and when that thing needs maintenance on it. Where does all the poop go? You know, it goes right into the bay. <clears throat> you know, and that's just the, the reality of it. So, like, at some sometimes when things are getting polluted, it's not, it's not like you know an evil corporation trying to make money. It's a logistical problem of like, how do we actually deal with with the you know the problem at hand? So, yeah, it's not always evil. It's you know, and evil being what? Oh, you just you're just trying to make money. I yeah. Yeah. And then I think of like in an idealistic sense, um, if the technology is there, the means are there to do things about it. Uh, what stops? What like what is it about the system at large that conducts progress that stops a, a treatment plant being put in certain places, right? Or stops proper disposal of things? And it seems like, well, it's inconvenient, but it's costly. It's always like, oh, well, it's too much money. We won't, we won't profit if we do this. And so we try to mitigate it and come up with some other solution. So that's so strange because then profit sort of rules those decisions about, you know, how we're going to conduct our future, how we're going to conduct uh, what we do to the environment and stuff like that comes down to profit and that kind of sucks <laughs> it does dude. you know does. but the other i think it feels like the other side of that coin is oh let's be socialist and everyone just kind of group together and just do the right thing all the time regardless of the monetary value and you kind of just make that disappear or something you know but that doesn't that's never worked either mm -mm. Uh, mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean i don't it, it sounds like idealism in general uh seems like the wrong thing to look at because you know people aren't ideal things aren't ideal right nothing ever like is perfect. No, like the fact that my dog's chewing on this squeaky yeah, toy in a radio really, show. Can't, you know, <laughs> you can't have all things. <laughs> no, but but there it is right there. Just fucking let go. Let go of the 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 drive to try to make it perfect. To try to create rules that are going to solve all the problems, because the problems don't all get solved, and then the world is a jungle. Mm -hmm. The world is a is a place where where crazy shit happens every now and then, and that's okay. Like crazy wackadoos get get elected to office, and yeah. we're just gotta be along for the ride, dude. Yeah. I saw something that I don't know if it's real or not, um, so somebody fact check it. But there was like two 
papers, two posts, two like Washington posts, I think. I don't know if that's the publication, but it had the same picture of Trump, but then two different headlines. Like prepping to like, okay, which one, which one's going to, we're going to print. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was kind of creepy. Like, yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe it went out on the same day and same time, oh. I think. And then just two different, you know, demographics. Or like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking interesting. Yeah. I, like, I, I do remember, uh, there's that famous thing with, um, uh, Truman was holding up the paper and, he, and he's, he's all it's Truman himself, he's all happy and if you don't know who it is it says Dewey beats Truman and so you think oh he's happy that Dewey won but obviously yeah. Truman won so you know it was just that the newspaper put out the wrong headline oh. and I think like to one one factor that seems practical is to you gotta make both and you're like okay which one's gonna happen which button do I push yeah. who's gonna win and then I go print this one but you gotta have both of them ready so you write two stories, and that seems weird. Like, you, oh, you don't just write the story that happened. You write the story that didn't happen, too. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, journalism becomes prescriptive. Oh, shoot. Right? Yeah. So but, well, but, but, like, I think the big thing to wake up to was, like, oh, shit, they were never really on our side. They were always <laughs> trying to just, like, if it bleeds, it reads. If, how do we sell more? Or, how like, do you think maybe, like, in, in my mind... I think I think that if if, if if I was a really really powerful rich politician and I wanted the public to, to go a certain way I could pay somebody in the you know in the, in the newsroom hey man print this get people thinking about that because I need I need this to happen yeah what are you controlling I mean you're controlling people's ideas and minds if they're buying into the fact that this is truth coming yeah. down from on high and dude like my folks man I mean they believed it for a long time they were like well, it, it comes from the news yeah you follow the news yeah well, I never bought that shit though as a kid I was like yeah all you fuckers are lying Visiting. you're trying to keep me in a box during the, <laughs> during the brightest hours of the day fuck you you're, you're, you're not on my side <laughs> I, I know what, I know what time it is motherfucker this is bullshit yeah <laughs> I think um, there's a yeah down the pipeline comes a major cynicism against uh, most media, um, which interestingly seems to create th sort of third party news that becomes even more biased. So they're like, oh, the news doesn't tell us the real story because like, you know, C-SPAN is just they just put out facts and yeah. so nobody watches it, nobody cares. <laughs> it's boring. So then CNN goes way left most of the time, and then Fox goes way right. So that's how they get there. They're like, okay, well, divide and conquer. You can't really get them all yeah. by just giving them the facts. That's too boring. So now we're talking about selling and trying to make money. And then uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. Well, you know what it makes me think of is um, how they make the stock market look so complex. How they make like money markets look like really really intricate. And, mm, you need to know a lot about this before you get into this. There's when in reality, language. yeah. When in reality, dude, it is it's gambling. It's gambling, and if you, and if you look at it, and you really know what. It's not like you need to really know what you're looking at. You just need to understand like like what money is, and then they mm -hmm. they've defined it in a bunch of different ways: derivatives or. Uh, equity, or they've given it these terms that, yeah, you know, if you don't know what they mean, then you don't know what you're talking about. But once you learn what they mean, you're like, oh, oh, you just you're, you're taking money from here and putting it there, and then you're getting money when you move it, and and if, and if it goes here and people agree that it's worth more over here, then then my money multiplies. Like that's a it's a giant roulette machine. It's like a 
and there's a lot of acronyms too ROI mm. and I, like it's yeah. return on investment right. but there's several different kinds of getting returns so that's yeah. not the only term that means getting money back from something you put in yeah. and it just and like, I think this is kind of this masonic thing like the new secrets are just yeah. they're esoteric all they do is make it trade knowledge yeah. so it's hard for you to learn because you don't learn it unless you get the special knowledge. Yeah. How do you get the special knowledge? Well, it's it doesn't. It's not as dark and dag and cloak and dagger as it seemed to be a long time ago. Yeah. But maybe it's always been like that. Like if you go to the good business school and you start learning the good, you go to Harvard Business or something, you're gonna be privy to some heavy shit. And yeah. it's just a lot of that secret information. It's not secret, but it's a lot of that that language. And you right. learn it, and then you learn how the numbers flow, and then seeing it, even though it's never really been a secret makes you you know you get it yeah. uh and so so back in the day the guilds had the knowledge you know and you got to get into the guild and like well there's the really good one there's the harvard like guild and that's hard to get into you gotta know people it's expensive and so you can get into the shitty one and then yeah. you can go to community college and you can get the kind of shitty knowledge you know whatever so and it maybe it's not all that different than it was when it was you know, Italian guild painters keeping their paint secrets. Yeah, it was really yeah. just, well, we only give them to the people who come and pay all the money and they and know the politicians and stuff like that. I, th I think if you're winning on people, like, like take if you're taking advantage of people and you're like, you're fucking, you're so stupid because you've learned something that they could easily learn, but you've learned it. Like, say you're a lawyer <clears throat> and you know a legal trick and you're beating somebody because you know this legal trick and they don't. And then you're like, yeah. You're a dick. That's what I think. I think you're a dick. I think I think you're a dick because if you came to me, like say I knew a painting technique, I would love to teach you the painting technique. You know, I'd love to proliferate the knowledge, to share it, to get it out. You know, I'm horrible with secrets because I because I I want everybody to to know what I know and I want to know what they know and I want to mm. to to make the thing go further, not covet and hoard and uh, and and have the advantage. Yeah, vintage, you know there is a long history of painter secrets uh, with with guilds like well, I, I can do a dude. year, but yeah, yeah like they um, uh, there's artists that wouldn't write down stuff. Yeah. they would keep it in their minds so people wouldn't find out. Yeah, pigment, uh, just simple things like recipes to make paint, and well, it's not like it was a total like people knew how to make paint, yeah. but the exact ratios and timing of it, uh, you know they. They didn't write it down. They weren't. When you're in the presence of mastery, guys that that have have attained that level, like black belts in jujitsu, you know, it's there's a there's like a, a friendship level, right? Because like they've let you in, and your buddies. But then there's this like this thing where like you're kind of looking at them like, you are very special, because <laughs> you know you have they have this thing, they have this like this body of knowledge that's within them that that, that you know maybe it's written down. Maybe if I read a, a book about it, I could learn a lot of it, but. It wouldn't be as special. Yeah. You know, I guess that's true. I do feel like there's people like that that I look up to. Not that mm. I necessarily know them, but just in general. Maybe mm. I do, or maybe it's a figure that I've read or listened to a bunch. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, like you're special because you have this bound of knowledge and you and you interact with it yeah. in like a, a living way. Like that's kind of big. Like the, a Terrence McKenna or a Hoist Gracie yeah. are kind of like, wow, you, you, have, you have this knowledge and you fucking get your hands in there yeah. <laughs> you go crazy with it and yeah I definitely look up to that one of the last uh, bastions 
of, of real secrecy and art is the uh, glass blowing community. Yeah, it's having like a kind of a comeback. Yeah, as far as I know, it's super. Well, when I lived in Hawaii, uh, I lived in this like I thought it'd be a great idea to go live with some hot chicks, right? So I got out of a relationship and I'm like, I'm just gonna live with these hot bitches. <laughs> <laughs> not a good idea because <laughs> just because they're hot doesn't mean they're clean doesn't mean they're nice doesn't, you know what I mean it was horrible yeah. but there was a garage in front of the house and the girl who lived there was kind of like quirky and lanky kind of like olive oil kind of like <laughs> you know but she was getting her bachelor's degree in fine art from the University of Hawaii and her concentration was was glass I mean, she built like a two-story glass-blown periscope for for one of her know, for her thesis or something, and um, she she let me in. She let me into the, this world of glass blowing, <laughs> and I was like, I knew nothing about it, but I knew art, you know. And we would hang out, and she would, you know, very very special person, very cool uh, information I got to learn. Uh, have you ever seen that sort of glass that's really reflective? Like, like it's lot, used in jewelry a lot. Like, it's like it's like hyper reflective. You'll see it in, in many jewelry stores with glass, but it's called dichro. And what it is is it's it's foil that NASA was using on their like spacecraft and satellites. But glass blowers got a hold of it, oh. and they're like, dude, it looks awesome as shit. And they started like melting it into their glass. It's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Kind of neat how how technology and and you know, stuff filters its way down. I really want to see somebody do something interesting with that stuff. Uh, some company came up with this. Uh, it's black, and it's the blackest black. Mm. And you put it down, and it like almost it absorbs light. Like less light comes bounces off it than like anything else. Yeah. So it's so dark, and they do this thing where they have a shallow box for this small thing, and the back is all crinkled and all messed up. Yeah. And then they put this black stuff, and you look at it, and any angle you look at it, unless it gets direct light to make shadows on it, uh, you can't tell it's crinkled. It Whoa. looks like it's completely flat. And then you turn it around, you can see the back, it's all gnarled. Whoa. You know, it's like tinfoil or something that they yeah. crumpled up a little bit, and then they sprayed with this stuff. And they have the side. And uh, that would be interesting. Like, uh, you were talking about making a painting with black or something. and you yeah. want. But the problem was that when you get at different angles, you can see parts and kind of see the shape of brush strokes. And the idea was to just have it be like void. Yeah. I was like, if you get your hands on this stuff, you could do that. You just paint these things. And it would be like kind of mesmerizingly black. Dude, interesting you bring it up, man. I, I have a graffiti artist friend who's he's just too fucking secretive to get him on the damn yeah, he's just, he's he's, yeah. he's so into like the Batman of graffiti art. Like, yeah. he's just like, no, no, I don't want my face out there. Yeah, you can't put it. Yeah, you know. But Especially I'm like, dude, we'll blur your fucking face, dude. We'll come on, yeah, well, come, on, come on, dude. Fucking let it out, man. It's everybody wants to know. But anyway, just do an audio one. Yeah, and just yeah, do that voice. <laughs> but he's funny that you start talking to him and he's like, my dad works for NASA. And you're like, oh. And he's like, he's like, do you think he had he had these gloves one day? He's like, don't touch those. I was like, why? He's like, they have nano. Nano something on them, but it's that black shit. Oh. It's that na- it's like I guess it's, it functions at like a nano level. Or I'm, I don't I'm, I'm way out of my <laughs> league, but it's like super. It's like the blackest black you can find in it. And he's like, but don't touch it. I'm like, I was like, get your nanobots out of here. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck me and yeah. take over and like start driving me from the inside. Dude, isn't that freaky, dude? Nano stuff is re- like nano robots. Like that's yeah, the, super. Crazy. So the most complicated they've gotten them to be so far. It's interesting, yeah. but it's not like. You know, crazy. They're not like computers yet. Yeah. Uh, they've gotten them to be like, uh, they're nano because they're made of 
just small bunches of particles. Uh-huh. And what happens is they get in there and they're going to react with your biology a certain way. So you're, and they're designed so that your, your bloodstream will go, oh, I want this in the bloodstream, and it puts it in the bloodstream. And then when it comes in contact with a virus or a cell of some kind or something, it does this certain thing and it tries to beat it. So yeah. they're trying to come up with medical ways to, to or medical uses. Yeah. And the functionality is actually kind of simple, but right. it's intricately hard to make these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but they're not like computers yet. But if you get a bunch of them do, uh, with enough um, individual complexity on each one, like the, the functions they do, yeah. you could affect people in probably a pretty great, massive way. So th- is it going to be like um, something... <laughs> So for everybody out there just watching or listening or whatever, we're waiting for YouTube to stop blaring its commercials at us. But when I think, when you talk about nanobots or whatever, this is what I always think about. Gentlemen, you have reached Dr. Weird's residence. Now speak at the tone. Hello, Dr. Weird. Wired? What? Weird. Steve? Send the phone, spiders. Works with uh, Chana Construction Company. With Spring here, we thought you might be interested in a new deck. Ah, spiders! I guess we're not interested. (laughs) Calling through your phone. Yeah, man. Like I'm like like that's what I think about. (laughs) Send the robot spiders. But getcha. But I've also heard uh, I heard Jacques Fresco, uh, the Venus Project guy. He was Zeitgeist Addendum, like the second Zeitgeist movie. They had the guy, the old guy, who was like, "We're gonna live in a future world with bullet trains." <coughs> and fucking yeah, Elon Musk didn't fucking. He wasn't the spearhead on the on the on the vacuum train. It's Jacques Fresco. No, he he put it out there like ten years ago. But anyway, uh, I was. Thinking about how the the vacuum trains the vacuum trains meow. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like Elon Musk is pretty spearheading just because he's like, hey, I have unbelievable amounts of cash flow, and I'm gonna I'm gonna risk all of it to do future shit right yeah. now. Future is now. Now the thing I have, you know, that, that bugs me about him though, he's like <clears throat> hydrogen. No. He's like hydrogen. Yeah, he's totally evil. Uh, if there was a guy. That could be considered like like super evil genius, he could, but he also could be like superhero genius too. The, there was a there's a comic book dichotomy where oh, I remember that Mem Night Shyamalan movie? Mm, which one? <laughs> With Bruce Willis? Where yeah, he, Mr. Glass. It, it, it tur- is that what it's called? No, well, that, that's who was Samuel Jackson. Unbreakable. Yeah. yeah. And Mr. Glass, he says something like, you know, usually they start out as friends or something. Like the bad guy often starts out as a good guy yeah. kind of thing. Like Magneto started out. Professor X's best friend, yeah, and they grew up together or some shit, and then he goes nuts and starts saying, "I'm going to take over the world" or whatever the hell he wants. I don't even know what he wants, but that could be Elon Musk. All of a sudden, he becomes Doc Ock or like you know, starts wearing a fucking cyborg, cyborg eye. Yeah, and goes crazy. I think about that a lot with my friends too. Sometimes I'm like, they might go evil. <laughs> no, well, like well, friendships come and go. You know, I've lived long enough to where I've seen friendships go the spectrum of you know where they start and they end, and it's like. You know, at what point are we going to find the separation in our friendship to where, you know, I am over here and you are over there? Because in the beginning, it's like, oh, what are you interested in? 
what are we doing? Let's go do fun things. And let's, but eventually you find this place where it's like, I feel this way about this. You feel that way. And, and that separation eventually creates something where it's like, you know, that guy's cool, but fuck him for doing that. You know, <laughs> it can be pretty bad. It can be that bad. Yeah, sure. Yeah. sure. I mean, I've had, I've had friendships go really bad, hmm. you know, to where they, they don't become friends anymore. They're, they're now on the other side. Um, I don't like to say enemies though, because I think if you're, you know, harboring like hate, you're only hurting yourself. Yeah, you'd have to go. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's a good line that says resentment. Like having resentment is like peeing yourself and expecting the other guy to feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard one that was like hating someone is like taking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Sure, sure. Yeah. And it, it is though. It's like yeah, it's fucking poison. It's a. Uh, I, I think it is almost like psychological. Um, like you're being psychologically attacked, but you're being attacked by yourself because you are the one who is allowing the the, the looping of the just negative thought. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is what uh, our friend is going through with this election. Dude, He's taking totally, the poison, dude. He really is. A little bit. He really, dude. Like, but I just I'll let him talk it out. But he, he's always hitting me with, like, the negativity. He's like, do you know, he, uh, he, he asked for approval for his kid to uh, yes, get the... And I'm like, dude, exam. I'm like, yeah. you know, but, but I'm not... What I'm not doing is, is being combative. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, oh, that's, that sucks. You know, there's not much to be combative about. And I agree with a lot right. of things for the most part. But, um, yeah, it's, there is a little bit of, like, I eh, can't really do much about it. Don't sweat it too hard, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The only dude. thing, like, you could vote and now... You know, you write a letter to vote again. Write some letters. Write you know, letter. run maybe, <laughs> but you know, for some local thing, which I'm never gonna do. <laughs> well, there it is. Yeah, yeah. If you really want to change something, get involved. Yeah, it's too late now that you have that that other podcast video. Uh, that's like good blackmail. Oh, for if dude, I ever wanted no, to run for state senator. Well, dude. So I was thinking about that. I think about that a lot because I, you know, I do podcasts, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Well, I'm never. I'm not gonna be president now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. going like, in what fucking universe was I ever gonna be president? Can't be the mayor. <laughs> Even so, but you know what? Like the the I kind of rest assured with like, uh, this is just conversation. And yeah, if you're gonna use this in some blackmail situation, fucking try your best, dude. Try your best. Yeah. You know, if people really like me and they're really gonna vote for me for some reason, then they're gonna uh. vote for me. Like, yeah, bring it up. I could kind of see you doing something, maybe not necessarily a politician, but like be like getting moving up in some sort of association that has to do with like local art or something. Well, I know you're already kind of involved, but I mean, like, you know, something even, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, you remind me of something. <sighs> yeah, what were you they saying? come and go, man. You just gotta just oh, okay. move past them, just let them go. I mean, I lost that thing, but the, the bullet train idea, uh, I think it came from a long time ago, it's called a dummy. A deep underground military base, and they wanted to they wanted to connect military bases, right? Yeah. Underground military bases, and they figured if we have a vacuum tube in a maglev train running in a frictionless environment, oh it could you could go like fifteen hundred miles, right? An hour, fifteen hundred miles. An hour. But it's not a new idea. <clears throat> right, and, then, yeah. and, and then in the zeitgeist addendum, Jacques Fresco was like, "Dude, air travel's great, but it pollutes and it's inefficient." Mm-hmm. We're going to have these trains, and they're going to connect everywhere, and you're going to go from New York to Paris in two hours. Um, and that was, that was like, in 2000 he was talking about that. And then Elon Musk comes out with, like, he's like, 
I got this Hyperloop idea. Run yeah, with well, it. okay. It's so, like, dude, that's not your idea, bro. Like, it, I mean, but it, he did put some construction into it. I guess if he was legitimately taking credit, like he invented it, that would suck. It kind, sure. it was kind of like, it, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, I woke up this morning and I drew up <laughs> these fucking blueprints. It's like mm. I had a dream. Yeah. Mm. Now here's the other thing, hydrogen power. I mean, I know mm. I'm not a physicist, and I know, mm. and I know there is no perpetual motion. Like I'm not trying to turn lead into gold. But that being said, when you burn hydrogen, it creates water. The way that we create hydrogen using petroleum is inefficient, right? But if you have a field of fucking solar panels, you can use electrolysis and you can create hydrogen. That is real. Now, uh, we're not set up. The infrastructure is not there. But it doesn't mean don't investigate it. Don't put money towards it. Elon Musk is like, fuck hydrogen. It's all about batteries. It's like, well, you're cutting down mountains to create batteries. You're literally removing mountains, you know? And... Um, and that to me, that's just uh, it's one it's one prong. Yeah, but it's not the only it's not the end all, you know. Sure. You yeah, know? I mean, cold fusion still might be down the pipeline. Have you seen that Kurz Kurz Kurzweil? It's Ray, not Kurzweil. No, no, it's Kurzurkitzerson. Uh, oh yeah, Kurzurch. <laughs> damn it! It's a great YouTube channel. Um, Kurzakstat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me let me it's make got sure. Like a British dude's voice, and it's kind of interestingly simple, animated. Very beautifully. Done. Yeah. Let me make sure I'm getting the name right. Cause I don't, okay, Kurz Kurzitz. How do you Kurzgesagt. Uh, K. If anybody wants to look it up, it's K U R Z G E S. A-G-T. Yeah, no, it's really good. Some of them are pretty awesome. Oh, that's Fusion Energies right there. Yeah. Yeah, so they have different size projects and different modes that they're doing it, and there is trillions of dollars being funneled into an international attempt to make, like, it's so, like, it's the tunnel like this, so it's basically, you know, like a big donut tube, sort of, and they got this super heated, I don't know what, it's going crazy, it's yeah. blowing up. Um, it's plasma. You can fit in there. People, there's pictures of people in it, so it's the biggest one they've ever yeah. ever started to build, and uh, it's the real Lord of the Rings. So they're pretty. I mean, they seem confident, but it's not even going to be turned on until like 2040 or something. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the I think the Lord of the Rings uh, is actually CERN. Right. They're like they're ripping little black holes in the universe. With the. With CERN, the Large Hydron Collider. Yeah, is that CERN? CERN? They own that? Yeah. Well, that's that's the French oh, that's one. We have thing. one in America, too. There's a Large Hydron Collider. Oh, I America. thought... Yeah. What am I thinking of? CERN? It's where, it's where they speed up like a like a small little bit of matter mm -hmm. to basically the speed of like electricity or light. I don't know, but they speed it up really fast. Probably faster than And then they fucking smash it into something. Mm -hmm. And then they, they, they analyze. Yeah, like, Ooh, that's how they found the Higgs boson. Yeah. Which had a lot of heat going on. had a lot of hype. That's what they say is going on, but what's really going on? What's really going on? Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Ancient aliens. Yeah. Yo, you don't even know, bro. Well, how do you know? Yeah. The, bro, you uh, ain't woke. You ain't woke, yeah. dog. You ain't woke to the, let me tell you, son. It's, it's the Illuminati. <laughs> you know what is kind of a good show is uh, Ancient Aliens with uh, Action Bronson. I've heard about this. Him and his friends just get high and watch act and watch Ancient Aliens, yeah. and they'll just break down stuff for a wit for a minute. You know, yeah. like what do you think about these aliens, bro? <laughs> and then it's pretty funny. And then they take breaks to have this delicious food or play basketball for a second, and yeah. then they go back to it, and it's like an hour long. And yeah, I don't know, it's crazy. 
I get too combative if I'm like drunk and high to be enjoyable. Those guys seem like they just get like really high and they like fucking love each other. Yeah. To me, I get like way too paranoid and shit, and I'm like trying to fucking establish my space. They fuck with each other kind of hard too, and it's like yeah. okay, they get over it. Like they sometimes they look like they're getting mad, but they're all friends anyway, so they get yeah. past it. Yeah. And if I didn't, yeah, if I was just plopped in that room, I'd be like so uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> uh, okay. We used to, when I was growing up, like my introduction to marijuana was. A bunch of kids, like a bunch of, you know, like we'd smoke it, but then there was like always like, there was always like a really scary dude who had, he was older, you know, and he was like the connect. But mm. in order to like to vet us or whatever, like there was a couple times where we had to be like in a car and go drive around and hotbox a car with like older, scary fucking, I mean, drug dealers, you know? And fuck if that wasn't the most terrifying <laughs> thing in the planet to just be going like deep into the Chesapeake Bay and, you know, just, so fucking blasted out of our mind and it really turned me off i just like i got away from you know marijuana until i was maybe i don't know like 25 after i got out of the military and then i moved to hawaii and i could actually like sit on the beach and relax and didn't feel like i was gonna get murdered you know <laughs> runs a training day or something <laughs> dude it was dude that feeling where he like training day he's like got him like this shit's chestnut checkers. Like I grew up with that, dude. Like I lived in that that yeah. experience. It was fucking terrifying. It's terrifying. Black Rob, you know who the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out, dog. Be Rob. <laughs> I'm gonna get a couple of these guys on the podcast. A couple of the dudes I grew up with because they're still floating around here. Yeah. They're doing fucking you know, scaffolding jobs or whatever, but they're still cool as shit and they're still my friends and like, you know, their stories are still awesome. So. Yeah. That sounds like a good episode. Stories like that. I had a couple, man. A couple. Uh, I was in a Vietnamese car gang. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't even want to talk about those days. <laughs> you go down roads, you know. You go down roads in life. You see where they take you. At some point, you just gotta like accept them. Like if you're in a certain situation, sometimes you just gotta be like, "This is the way it is." So I'm just gonna, you know, like just accept it and not not try to be something else. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. Don't want to put up with that. Don't want to put up with the subjugation of the situation, you know, where the event takes over and you have to submit. But I mean, that's a little bit how it is all the time. The amount yeah. of control you really have over things, I think, is yeah, largely illusionary. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah. control you have is over you, but you think you have it over events and things. That's one of the big things they teach, like alcoholics and drug addicts. Yeah. Like the first lesson is You're like. Powerful. You're powerless, yeah. but it's it's not necessarily like like you're not a powerful being. It's just that the only control that you get in life is of your actions and your reactions. You don't control anybody else. And where a lot of like drug addicts or alcoholics come from, they come from a world where like they're smacking people around and they're using their bravado. And it and it, it, it is a level of control because people don't they, they listen to you. They, they you know they're like I don't I don't want to get hit, so I'm gonna be quiet around this guy. He's gonna hit me. But it's not real control because once you're gone, then those people are like, fuck that guy. And then, <laughs> then, they, then they start to like do things to, to, to hurt the person that's being physically horrible or abusive. Mm. So like, yeah, so you don't control anything but yourself and your own actions is one of the first things they teach people. And I think it's a, it's a good thing to learn. And then once you learn it, then you can, you can then take your control back. 
Yeah, it's probably pretty much true. It's not just true for alcoholics. It's kind of true for everybody a little bit, you know. Uh, it's not something that's well, popular alcoholics are for everybody. people who feel like they're in control in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Alcoholics are everybody? Yeah, man. They're just... I'm not what just is people? an alcoholic? They're just fucking people. Well, they're people with a problem, and it's, like, deeply psychological, and it's embedded because society supports alcohol so much. Yeah. That, you know. Well, drug addicts, too. I mean, all of it is just, just, just people that have found something that has that they've been using that that is helping them but that something now has become a hindrance and and it's not helping anymore it's actually harming you know but like the first fucking time you get high it's like wow yeah well this is this is great i mean the, the first time they gave me percocet in the military it was like i went from black and white to color tv I mean, it was just, it was just, I was like, holy shit, this is the fucking answer. I just need more of this, and I'll just be able to cruise through life. Yeah. No problem. You know, and then that doesn't work out after yeah. a long time. I don't know what the experience is like, but yeah. that description sounds like more than I imagined it to be, because it sounds like it just gives you, like, what I would imagine is, one, pain diminishment along with, like, some general feeling of euphoria or something. Yeah. yeah. When you're talking about color life all of a sudden everything seems better yeah yeah, yeah? Wow. well it's also i think there's a there's a huge connection with creative people and opiates creative people and stimulants um and you know i think everybody's creative but a lot of people say like oh, i'm not an artist you know but um coming from where i come from uh under those substances there's a there's like a it's, it's an, there's an enjoyment to being creative you're like ah oh. It's like, dude, in, so I was on an aircraft carrier. They pulled my wisdom teeth out. They gave me a handful of fucking beans. <laughs> Magic beans. <laughs> you know? And I had like a week off. Like I'm on the carrier, right? right. But they give you a week off of work because you're, they pulled your, you look like a, a raccoon. And, and so I'm running around the aircraft carrier high as fuck. And, uh, and I, I, I took a pallet jack and I painted it like a, like a hot rod. What did you get paint? From the hazmat store. So, so there's a hazardous yeah, materials right. place. And so I got some colored spray paints. Wow. And then I, I put flames all over this fucking pallet jack. And they just kind of left me alone. Like, they didn't know what to do with me on the carrier. <laughs> a lot of the times, dude, they were just like, It seems the like it's the most difficult thing. You have thousands of people to manage. You're like, okay, well, if he's safe in that corner, I'm just going to let him chill. Yeah. Like, no, he's, but he was cool. I was on the fantail. So for people that don't know what the fantail is, like I was on the back of an aircraft carrier floating in the middle of some ocean uh watching dolphins drinking coffee helicopters are flying around and it's just amazing and then I'm, I'm, I'm i have like my own paint booth and i'm painting a pallet jack like a hot rod <laughs> <laughs> shit happens <laughs> yeah I, I i can totally see why it was different on a small boy there's only like 500 people and so like they get to micromanage everybody yeah so you stay your right yeah. And they get mad at people who are sick. They're like, "Oh, you can't, you can't go up and get a meal. Not. You're too sick to go to the." Oh, fucking, wow, horrible, yeah. man. That's horrible. Oh, you don't want to work today because you're sick. You too sick. You can't. If you can get up and get a meal, you're not sick. You should be working. So yeah. to get back down your rack, and they fucking starve you for a day. <laughs> I remember the first time I got ratted out uh, in the military. It was a boot camp. I had peanut butter. I took peanut butter from the mess hall, <laughs> like a little peanut butter jammy jam. You're mad at you out. And uh, and I was I was like sneaking those, you know, because they're mm -hmm. little like little peanut butter bombs, 
and I was eating them, and I was just throwing them in the trash in the bathroom, kind of digging them deep. And then like this like little male petty officer dude, the dude not male as as male female, but like like male as in you know you get mail on postal. Sunday, postal mail. He was in charge of the postal mail, and he like got my trash out of the trash can, got my peanut butter trash, and then like used it as evidence, and like in front of everybody, and yeah. like ratted me out, and then got kind of like promoted because of this, and I was like, ooh, oh, you're on my list, motherfucker. I was, it is, you, you blatantly ratted me out. And that was the first time I experienced that. Like, okay, okay. How did he, so he made the connection to you and, and that was it? They just then, believed and then, it? Then, uh, yeah, maybe he was tracking me. You know, maybe, maybe he had noticed, he just said maybe he had was, noticed a couple peanut butters in there. And, yeah, and had did some investigation. They said, oh yeah, it was Liggett. Mm. And they just believed it. They gotta blame somebody. You gotta have somebody to blame. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty outspoken as far as like going against authority most of the time, so it's not hard to pin that sort of shit on me. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So when I <clears throat> when I left the military, it wasn't that big. A, like both the military and I were pretty square. Like, okay, see you later. Bye. Yeah. One time I was. I mean, I was in Hawaii, which is pretty great, but uh, when I was leaving, it was like a month before I was leaving, and I was driving on the highway, and then I saw the exit to the airport pass, yeah. and for a second, I just imagined, like, yeah, I'm going to drive down that exit for, like, the last time one time, and I got so physically excited, yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, <laughs> and uh, I didn't have, like, I spoiled it for the time I did actually get to drive, like, somebody rode me down that one because yeah. I pictured it so vividly and the memory just, just not memory but like the thought came into my mind so uh, so clearly that um, it was like I was doing it I was like yeah, yeah I'm leaving <laughs> but Hawaii is nice I should have just hung out for a while probably yeah you know had enough money to stick around for a little bit do but. you remember driving the H3 corridor mm-hmm. just going across the island yeah that's a fucking beautiful I mean, there's nothing like that. That mm-hmm. or the or the Palolo H two, mm-hmm. the H three or the H two yeah. on a rainy day too, where the, those little waterfalls come out of nowhere. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I hit the H two a lot because yeah. I lived kind of um, east uh, west yeah. from the base. That for little a while. tunnel. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. It, it was like, like a the landslide. Gates to Jurassic Park or something. Yeah, totally, totally. But there was like a landslide there once. Uh, some lady was coming out of the the, the tunnel on H two, and then. Just the lance I just took her car. It didn't kill her, but fuck if that wasn't just mm. incredibly. Da- I mean, just jeez, driving down the tunnel, just earth just takes you out. Yeah, it was never. Every once in a while, they have something. The highways down for a couple of days, but most yeah. of the time, the weather's fantastic. I remember getting right out of that tunnel, and then it's not too long. You hit this curve, and you just see this big white sand beach with the bluest water ever. You know, it's a great view. I mean, there's a great view every half a mile you yeah. see something like oh. I think that's when it that's when it starts to come in <laughs> that's when that's when like the the bad thoughts come like at first the first couple of weeks in Hawaii you're like wow nothing's really too horrible because you're there but then after a little while you're like another beautiful fucking day in Hawaii and it starts to get into that weird repetitive like sort of craziness that can happen 
not sure. You know what I mean? I didn't have like, that experience. Like, like, like when you think you're in heaven, mm-hmm. but it turns out to be hell. Uh, yeah, I did a pretty good job of separating like the life I was in and the place I was. Yeah. And I was like, this place is fucking beautiful. But, you know, I didn't like what I was doing. Well, you were in the military. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's exactly why. But, like, I don't know. Like, you're saying in general, even when you were living there, you would have this. Well, when you, t- when, you, when, you moved, when you moved there, <clears throat> for me, uh, when I moved there, like, like, maybe a month into it, I had what they call island fever, where you're like, I got to get the fuck off this rock. Because hmm. like, I didn't really have a job. I was just barely starting school. It's not easy to start school there because you have to like prove your you have to you have to become like a resident to get the discount mm-hmm. at school, you know, or else it's incredible. In state, in state yeah. tuition. Uh, but you go through the island fever part, and and then maybe like I don't know, maybe it was like two years, two years of just kind of like pushing a pushing a rock up a hill. It was just a lot of resistance. It, it wasn't easy at all, and there were some definite times of like. You had to reflect, and um, it's almost like a psychosis because you're in this beautiful place, but you, you're super depressed, hmm. super depressed. Oh. Um, but breaking through that was like I was—I remember I was standing on my porch with my girlfriend at the time, or Lanai. I was on my Lanai, facing the water, and uh, and she came outside, and I was just looking at the water. I was like, I, I, I felt like I. I I felt like I was a new person. It was just, a, it was like, a, like the millionth straw had broken the camel's back. And I was just looking at the world through a completely different lens. And I was just like, what the fuck? Where am I? Wow. And because, like, in Hawaii, you can literally see, like, the universe fucking going over the water, you know? Right. And, I, and I, could, I could see myself on the planet where I was on the planet in, in, in geographical location to other things. I, I was recognizing the celestial bodies, and um, it it was like I was like I had a new lease on life. Yeah, but it took like two years of of you know the big what it was it was meditation. I had started meditating maybe for the first time in my life maybe like two three weeks before that, and then just just the build up of the meditation. Nice. Yeah. 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 Just sit down. Be quiet every now and then. I, just, I had dinner with a friend last night, and she was talking about how she's going to start doing um, deprivation tank stuff once a month. Dude, is there one around here? Uh, it's a bit of a drive, but it's not far. Ooh. It's not like super close, but you can get there we pretty quick. We need to move on that idea. Right. We yeah. had that idea. I am just on the wire. I can't pay anything. Sure, anything. nobody has any fucking money. <laughs> we need to fucking... Who's got the money? Who's the money guy? But it's a great idea. It is a great idea. It is what, a fantastic yeah. idea. Maybe yeah. we should start stockpiling Epsom salt now. Because we'll need like 300 pounds of it or something. We can just steal it. Yeah. It's always on pallets in the back of a, some <laughs> warehouse. Just drive up take it. Take it. Just going to take it. Make our destiny. No, you know, here's my thing about theft. Um, <laughs> it always catches up to you. Yeah, it's not a good thing. It's, it's <laughs> not. Like, 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 if you can't find it for a legitimate trade... Or you know, or or pay for it, you know. I don't think you're looking in the right avenue. Like if you're if you have to steal it, um, in today's world, you're like you're not really opening your eyes. I, yeah, I think you know? it's, like if there was like an oppressor, mm-hmm. then then yeah, right. Like if you're being oppressed, if you're being if there's like a slave thing happening, yeah, steal. But if if you're in a 
quote-unquote free society, you should be able to open your eyes and find the opportunities to get what you want in a, in a legitimate manner Yeah, where you're not hurting anybody else. Yeah, and I was thinking that stealing, uh, like, so if you're free enough, I suppose, yeah. Um, taking something I- that was purveyed by others is, uh, if you're okay with it, I think it's kind of, like, aligned in your mind with finding something in the woods and going, okay, this is, this is what I need. I'm going to pick it up from the ground. I'm going to make this into something else yeah. uh, but it's not the same because somebody else uh, got the salt out of the ground somebody else put it in a bag somebody right. else shipped it to whatever state you're in yeah. so there's a lot of things that people did in order for it to get there and you're t- and you're and you're taking all of that and, and and claiming it instead of trading for it yeah so you're defeating the system that they're all trying to work for yeah uh, but there is sort of yeah um, yeah well like I was riding my scooter yesterday and I don't wear a helmet hmm. and it's not registered Hmm. You know, like because I, I just don't. I'm from this. <laughs> I'm from this like fu nope. fu place, and I'm riding my scooter, and this guy pulls up to me, and he's got his helmet on, and his scooter's registered, and he's like, "Oh, you don't need a helmet or a license, do you?" And 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 I'm looking at him, and I'm like, "Fuck, you know, oh, darn it! I'm not I'm not playing by your rules. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm obviously not playing by the rules. I'm I'm riding without my helmet, and I'm not. I didn't get my little moped license." You know, um, it's a. So I had to reflect on that. Yeah, yeah it's uh, a concession, sort of, or it, I mean, depending on how you look at it, his is a concession. Because I thought maybe you would think like, neither do you, man. Well, you know, you don't need that shit either. But uh, well, you, that's what my my actions playing that game. That's what my actions are saying. Yeah, I mean, and the, yeah, yeah, and you're conceding that like, well, there's a risk because there is a system in place and a bunch of people subscribe to it and they will give me a ticket or whatever. Yeah. You know? Uh, and this guy will be resentful because, well, I paid all my fucking bills. What's why? What's so special about you? Like nothing. There's nothing special about me. I'm the same as you. I just decided not to play that game. Yeah. Uh, there are risks to it, but that's what I did. You know. So don't give me shit. <laughs> right. I mean, I can see there that that's why, in general societal sort of structure, there has to be the enforcers of the laws because he wants the law. You know, but he doesn't feel that he has power to enforce it to you. And why would he? You know, so you have to create the authoritative figure and give him a uniform and give him purpose and say, okay, we all agree that's the guy who tells you what to do. And I think ultimately the only reason we agree upon that is fear of, you know, punishment, fear of the the, the judicial system. Well, he went through, and you can believe in yeah, it too. Yeah, yeah. You can you can trust in it. But you know, if you're the same guy who's going like, no, nah, I have to register my scooter <laughs> well, we, we don't like loopholes we don't like people that find loopholes we don't like to see the person but we do respect the guy who, who profits and who is successful yeah. and most likely that guy found a loophole <laughs> to get that but so we don't like the guy who exposes the loophole don't like him yeah. and then the other thing about it is he went to the dmv he sat in line mm-hmm. he registered his little scooter he bought his helmet and i i just have my helmet by my feet in case i get pulled over and then I'll say, oh, sorry, I was just, forgot, that's my loophole. And like, oh, it didn't register. I just bought it at a garage sale. Yeah. You know, like there are excuses I have. And, 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 and he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that that I'm riding in that gray area. And he went through the the DMV line. And, and I'm not playing that DMV game. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't want to. It doesn't mean I don't I don't want to do the thing. It's just there's a part of me that is like, I like not playing by the rules where, yeah. where you feel like you're like ah, I gotcha yeah being that counterculturist 
Yeah. Has value. Yeah. Cacophony or whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, like, right? Is that the, like the, no, no, no. What's that guy's name? I'm, I'm saying this wrong. Um, but yeah, I think it's Cacophony or the Cacophonists or something. Like they, they were the first guys at Burning Man to like, they were like launching burning pianos off a catapult. <laughs> they, had, they had a drive-by shooting gallery. Okay. Yeah, like they had machine guns and you could... They Jeez. were just... Anything goes. Yeah. What is the, the... the Is it Ben Franklin? or No, it's, it might be the Aleister Crowley where uh, do as thou wiltst, mm-hmm. you know, sort of a thing. Like, no, it's your life. Mm-hmm. Like, what is reality? Do... Yeah, do it. I think part of that do as thou wilt thing is like, okay, so the subject is um yourself and will at the same time so your your will uh is something you have to pay attention to Mm. so maybe this guy who is following the rules and decides that he should be subjugating you with his words by saying that hey you're not following the rules either uh is letting his will be led by the system so like he goes you know i'm gonna register and that's because that's what you do and so now his will isn't really making a choice. It's just t- it's walking the same line or something. So this is not, I mean, this isn't like some grand uh, rebellion. This is just a simple thing. But it's, a, it's in that simple one, he's conceding and letting his will not be, he's not really, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So do as thou wilt is a pretty powerful statement about will, I find. Um, and I think the cacophonists are probably going like, see, here's what we can do with it. Like, let's see how, let's see how far, where that boundary is. Let's push that, you know, in, um, in, you know, I don't know, in yeah. an experimental way. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. It is. It is. Because you make the decision and, and before, like, well, some people will say like, oh, don't do that. That's dangerous. <laughs> don't, don't, you can get in mm-hmm. trouble. It's like, really? Yeah, Will you get in trouble? How do you know? Yeah. How do you know you get in trouble? Yeah. How do you know? How do you know it's dangerous? Where do you ha- like? Where do you? Because you heard it on the news. Because yeah. somebody told, <laughs> somebody told you. Did, yeah. Where did that? I, where did that line for? Oh, you're going to be in trouble. Come from? Who put that line there? Can we find a place where that line doesn't exist? And then all of a sudden, you can kind of get out of thinking yeah. like that. Go out in the middle of the desert. I can launch flaming pianos in the air because I'm not going to get in trouble. Because yeah. ultimately, I shouldn't be getting in trouble for this. <laughs> you know. But it's understandable that we're all packed in here. I probably shouldn't be doing it. You know, in somebody's backyard because it's unsafe. And that's the thing. The little things about registration is supposed to be that it creates a standardized system that makes things safer. Their vehicles are have have to fit certain standards, so they're safe. I think that's what it's supposed to boil down to. But then eventually libertarians will tell you that, like, oh, nope, they're just taking your money. They're taking your money, taking your freedom. They're logging you. They're putting you in a filing cabinet. You are no longer a free person or a free human. You are a person. Well, it is like the uh, the oldest the oldest practice in the world, which is uh, to try to create order out of chaos, mm. and it is it's something to do with your time here on Earth. You know, you can be a part of a thing that tries to organize the the chaotic soup that we're all in. Yeah, you know? but sure. like, but in in reality, in, in in what we really have, this whole registration of vehicles and insurance, and it all. If it only it only works if the other guy's playing by the same rules. Mm-hmm. There's so many holes in that yeah. system. In the very basic way, if everybody stopped listening to the judicial system, it doesn't exist. You know, it's right. in the mental right. world we create. It's in the invisible world we put on everything, and this influences us greatly. And I think that's again going back to like do as thou wilt. It's affected by all those things, and so 
he like Aleister Crowley goes out there and does weird stuff on purpose to sort of shake that up and go like you know what's real and what isn't uh, breaking down you like because you're so set on going like you know these are the roads and these are buildings and this is infrastructure but it's all just you know it's information exchange we understand like what it is and why we have to pay for it um, but if you really can break down your perspective to something more raw and just universal then you kind of realize it's just as silly as anything else yeah. and building a road is just as silly as you know creating a machine gun gallery whatever that right, was. Right, right. it's really just you know it's, it's a simply manipulation of certain things to do uh, like you just you go forward you create art so it can be looked at and enjoyed and evocative you create a road so you can go down it there's just there's action and purpose and so we we box some of them up and go these are sensible to do mm. these help us they progress it's safety and then these other ones like oh they're art and uh they're literature and they're they're um those are enriching and these other things are bad you know you can't do these and um i don't really have enough examples Locked, well, there's but a, yeah, there's, it's, yeah. So I feel compartmentalization. I, I feel amazing, not amazing, but but I feel like if I wake up and I have like some project I want to do, like I want to create a solar shower for my RV. Yeah, it it invigorates me. I'm like, hmm, okay, now I have to go to the fucking store, and then I have to find these parts, and I got to put these bits together, and it's and it's something to do with my day. Is it is it going to help me in life, or you know, what I mean, is it going to bring me enlightenment or? I think I think in the process of doing the task and being in the single-mindedness of that task, you're in a space of, of sort of enlightenment because because you're not in the future trying to make your bank account bigger or worried about your kids or your dog or whatever. You're like, no, I'm focused right here on this thing, and in that little thing is everything. Yeah, and in that way, okay. So in it being everything, yeah. I think, uh, like you said. Um, well, can is you make this thing yeah. to bring you to enlightenment or something? Yeah. And like, okay, so this is a simple thing, and it's supposed to be looked at as not enlightening, yeah. but that's just not true. Yeah, yeah, that's simple. Those simple things that aren't necessarily art, or aren't necessarily some great progress, or aren't something like that. They don't. They don't. It's no. It has no. Uh, it doesn't have less value Dude, than those other. Things. Try to do it perfectly. Yeah. Try to take a simple. T try. Try to sweep your house perfectly. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not. It, it's like, it, it requires great focus. I, there's a movie called Zen. It's really, really cool. It's about this, the Japanese monk who brought Buddhism from China to Japan. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment in that movie where it, it's a very boring movie if you're not into meditation or whatever. So don't, don't buy Zen and think you're just going to have a blast. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a <laughs> slow movie. But um, there's a moment where the monk is like, He's walking through, and he's like standing up very weirdly, and everybody's kind of looking at him, and he's just moving very slow. And they ask him, like, what are you doing? And he says, eyes horizontal, nose vertical. And he's just like, that was his day. His day was to just keep his eyes on a horizontal plane and his nose on a vertical one. And that's what he did with his day. Tell me, you know what I mean? You look like that blue bird from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I, I found like a great appreciation for that. I'm like, wow, that would not like I, try to do it for 15 minutes. Yeah, try to do it for five minutes. 
it's not easy. Hmm. It's not, and, and I and I think tasks that aren't easy um, are super super important to do. Do things that aren't easy. Do yeah. things that are uncomfortable, and discover the comfort in that uncomfortability, and you will you will unlock things about your own life that you didn't realize you knew. Yeah. You know, be in the uncomfortable headspace. I think those things challenge your will too. Because yeah. um, if you try to do it for five minutes, but you only made it to one, like you didn't give up because something really stopped you besides some internal thing, like some you know, physical or whatever. So you were trying to do this thing and it stopped you. You couldn't do it. Ah, and you stopped. You didn't want to do it anymore. Well, you didn't really not want to do it. You Some other things affected you and made you think you didn't want to do it. But if you, you did before you started, you wanted to make it to five minutes of doing this thing, whatever it is. Yeah. Or you wanted to sweep perfectly, but then you – as you were doing it, you got bored of it. Okay, I'll just do. I'll do it quicker. You know. Yeah. And so you're challenging your will and exercising in this way. If you could make it through the whole task without losing your mind or without quitting, a simple thing like sweeping your your floor really well is a challenge to your will. So if you can't sweep the floor really well for a, an hour or so, even if I mean, that's a small floor. Yeah. Uh, how the hell are you going to change your life into the thing you want it to be? Exactly. How the fuck are you going <laughs> to... Oh, you want to be a CEO, do you? You want, you want to take over the world? Well, let's start with, can you sell some fucking barbecue sauce on the side of the street, motherfucker? You know? Yeah. Can you sell a simple thing? Yeah, you we got to do that again. <laughs> it was fun. I like... I like I, this is the second time I did that. I, I did promotion for a hip-hop show. And we got 800 people to show up to see a Japanese rapper in Hawaii. And it, it involved getting into this weird place of uh, handing out flyers. You have to approach random people. Hey, what's going on, bud? How you doing, dude? You got to break them down. You to, do, what are you doing tonight? Check it out. I got this thing for you. And, and you have to get into this space of like rejection doesn't fucking matter. Not everybody's going to be cool with you talking to them. But you're gonna find some that that are cool with it, and and it's a really neat thing to find in yourself, you know. And yeah, I like that. Little, yeah, little sort of sales thing. It's fun. I could use practice in that. Yeah, you gotta let go. You gotta let go, and you right. do have to practice it. You do it, yeah. and it's not easy because you gotta get over that hump. Like, uh, I have to go talk to the stranger. Well, who wants to talk? Who wants to talk to you when you're like? Mm. Right. No. And, well, the thing is, like, what's that guy? No. no, no. <laughs> so yeah, you got to get over that and create some other persona. Just like chicks. Chicks don't want to do the guy who's not confident enough to to put his arm around her and say, "Hey, baby, give me a smooch on the lips." You know what I mean? Yeah. Girls don't want. Girls don't open want, with that. Though. You shouldn't open with it. Don't be a perv. <laughs> right. Come on. But I, I don't believe like like a, a a really attractive girl who could have her pick of the litter is interested in the wet noodle yeah, wet blanket no, dude who's like I'm really nervous yeah. why would why why not why you would want to go for like the alpha guy who's like hey baby you know there can also be too much there's a good middle way like you, you know it, I saw like crazy. so I saw a guy who was so alpha he decided to tell this girl hey baby why don't you smile more and I was like oh. and she just like looks at her cell phone not only is she disgusted she's now probably kind of afraid because this guy was huge probably a little drunk yeah you know and uh being just overtly aggressive just yeah. riding the wave of having a big strong fucking look 
yeah. and just being large. He's like, I don't give a fuck because I'll just hit something. You know what I mean? That well, kind of attitude. Yeah. And that's, you know, and so that's pretty alpha, you know, but it's also mitigated by a lot of other things. So it's not that simple per se, but I know what you mean. But I, I so I picture that guy being like, that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I you think know. that guy goes back to what we were talking about, the alcoholics, where the guy thinks he's in control because he's got everybody scared of him. Mm. Or because he's just like like our old roommate, he would just flip out, and people would just kind of like give him just his space. A kid, man. It's a little, it's a, yeah. Now that's not alpha. That's not what I mean by alpha. I think that that's immature. That's that's childish sure. to use like your you know that sort of bravado. But like confidence, baby. I look at you. You know, and I don't, that, I mean, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Now when I say baby, I'm actually that's, you, that's a joke, people. That's not. <laughs> That's not. It also how, sounds you know like you mean? already have something established with someone. Sure. You know, more than sure. a few minutes. Sure. No, if you really want to talk, like, hey, how are you doing? No, right. I'm Jason. I, you I, also, I'd love, I'd love to talk. You're beautiful. I would love to talk to you. <laughs> I think that like you know a lot mean? of that confidence you're talking about has to do like it also involves realizing that they're a whole other person too. Yeah. And that when you talk to somebody, you're entering into this world, and realizing that and still being able to do it because fake confidence is going in there with a bravado and just being a bullshitter. And you know, trying to be too much of a salesman or something, and trying to have a conversation with a person, and realizing that they're as complex as you are, and yet that not being kind of terrifying, <laughs> I think is 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 a good example of confidence. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just the way I look at it. No, uh, I think my ADD kicks in super hard all the time, and I'm constantly trying to uh, trying to steer my my attention back to whatever I'm doing all the time and like right when you you had said that my mind totally went into this situation like I can talk to people but I'm also thinking about a completely different subject mm. and uh, the other day there was this beautiful I mean trust Annapolis has is filled with some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life and she's just, just coming out of the gallery and, uh, and we had a moment. She was happy to see me. I was happy to see her. And I'm like, that's a great gallery. And she's like, that's great. And, and she just kept on going. And there was this thing that told me, like, dude, look, what are you doing? Why don't you, why don't you continue to talk to her? And I told myself in my own head, I was like, you know, nah. Like, I'm just not in a place where I could even provide a girl like that with any sort of anything. Like, I don't have, I don't have the things I need for a girl like that. Yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what do you what need? What is that? What the fuck? You need a toolkit? What do you? <laughs> this is a horrible confidence, yeah. you know. It's very low. That's low confidence. Yeah. You know, and then recognizing it, moving on. Yeah. You know? Recognizing it, moving on. Mm-hmm. Building it back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, in in my mind, I say I want a certain thing, but my actions they don't reflect it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. It's hard to find that. It's hard to uh, to actually define what it is you want, and then go after that thing. It's not easy. You know what? I think um, personally, I mean interpersonally, there's nothing. But you reminded me of something. I want to start painting. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Uh, I had this idea a while ago to start it, um, and I should probably just budget and not really worry too much, and just put some put a little money into something, paint and paper. I don't know what exactly, but uh, so. We'll we were get, talking a while we'll get ago. Get you, fucking paint and paper. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking a while ago about <laughs> artists and stuff, and uh, so the secrets of uh, Johannes Vermeer. Yeah. Super famous for his style, and people say he paints with light, and like they've X-rayed the paintings, and they find there's no uh, 
Uh, there's no pencils on pencil drawing underneath. There's no yeah. extra layers or anything. He just walks up to the canvas, paints, and it's perfectly perspective, whoa, perfectly. Whoa, whoa. And it's always in his uh, well, not always, but he has like eight different paintings in his studio. Yeah. And it's like the thing is that the perspective is always slightly different. Like you know, he's always standing in a different place. Yeah. But the perspective is always perfect. And they actually they drew it out and they were like, okay, uh, it's so perfect that they can tell where he's where he was where he's looking from. Um, they was, could tell he's standing here in the room. He was yeah. standing here in the room. I, like it's it's rare. I mean, it's almost impossible, really. Perspective was a new thing at one point. Everything was flat, and then painting started going. Wait, I don't see things like this. Yeah. I see things like this. Yeah. And I see things the long way. Woo 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 woo. Laterally, in case somebody's not watching. I think the video. I think those are proof of evolution. Those, those moments. Sure. Yeah, those I, moments. that's mental. You mental know what I mean? evolution. Mental evolution. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's a very interesting sort of landscape to talk about the changing human. And yeah. I think people are far more plastic and like malleable in that way. Uh, like we were talking about, I mean, this is more digression from the painting thing. I do want to cut it, but uh, we were talking about, uh, was it Aquinas or was it? No, St. Augustine. Yeah. They had this thing where they sat him down in front of the Bible. He looked at it without opening his mouth. They closed it and they asked him what was on the page and he could tell them. And they're yeah. like, what? How, how are you doing that? And they thought it was like a miracle or something. And it was sort of like the, one of the big stories about him. And it was just, he was reading without speaking out loud. And to them, they had, they was unheard of. They yeah. didn't really have the, no, they didn't have the notion of it. And so I don't know if that's like physically manifested or just an action manifested through thought. And there's no physical change in the brain or evolutionary thing genetically or anything. And it's just an evolution of action. So this thing never happened before and now it's happening. And if you think about the timeline of technology and, and art history and uh, music and anything, really any, any sort of uh, construction, um, that has to happen. Every single revolution of thing is that it wasn't happening before and it is happening now and it's happening because we thought of it. And then it gets digested and almost obvious to people. And like perspective in, in you, you, you see it so much that um, the first thing a kid tries to do is draw the horizon and the road going like this. You know what I mean? Really early paintings of trying to putting anyway so we inculcate all these new things like it's no big deal and i think we take it for advantage that it's there mm -hmm. and that it like it always was and we just didn't realize no like that's hugely different because we created a new thought that nothing ever thought before if we're the most intelligent kind of thing in the universe uh bio biologically yeah. and so there was a there was a there was these things that are being created there's new shit and so I want to paint. <laughs> yeah. So the perspective thing is that Johannes would have uh, somebody theorized that he was using device, and there was a lens and a mirror and a you know some sort of device he was using to paint with perspective perfectly instead of just walking up and doing it by hand. Right. And this guy Tim, something. There's a movie about it called Tim's Vermeer. It's very good. And he recreates the room. He recreates the room to scale. He rebuilds furniture, and he decides that modern glass is too good, so he grinds his own lens and uh, he builds this apparatus where it's a mirror and then sort of a pocketed um, I mean the lens and a pocketed mirror and then another mirror right here and all he has to do is kind of flip back and forth while the mirror floats at a certain angle over the thing so he gets an image here and he just keeps painting until the line between the two kind of disappears and he yeah. gets the, 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 the color perfect and then it took him months took him like almost a year to paint this thing and it's fucking perfection. I mean, it looks exactly like 
the Vermeer painting that he was recreating. I mean, not literally, because what he did was he, he built the room and he set everything up. So it looks exactly like the room he built. But if you put the paintings together, you see the same exact things happening in both, even though he didn't paint from a painting, he painted from a room. So he thinks he recreated exactly how he was doing it. And the art world's like, no, you know, no, he just walked up and he's a miracle worker. Why would you believe that when obviously this technology is funny? So a simple version of that is to have something that's already like an image. And then at a, you have to get the angle right. But then you put an angle, another mirror here, and you just start mixing paints on there. And you yeah. move the mirror around. You keep doing it over and over again. And next thing you know, you've created like a facsimile of the original in paint. And uh, I thought, like, with I'm, I'm into photography, as you know, and I edit, so I could edit something the way I want a painting to look, like take pictures, edit something interesting, and then paint it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then it becomes more impressive because, like, a, the picture is cool and people like it. But if I translated it into paint, I think it would be like fun. It would be interesting to do. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I think I, so. That's that's the plan. I want to. I gotta. I gotta look around for something that's like a little base. Little like an L thing that'll hold a mirror, you know, and it, that'll have a, like no border, you know, just an edge, like a flat thing. Have you been Have you been formally introduced to Jeff Huntington? Mm, I don't think so. He'd be the one to talk to. Yeah. 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 He'd be the one to talk to. He taught fine painting at, at the Corcoran. We'll get that set up. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta figure out how to build that a little bit nice. But anyway, yeah. So. I can't remember why I brought it. Oh, it was something. I don't know. You're definitely, you're definitely intrigued by it. I mean, I've heard you talk about this subject a couple times. So you're just yeah. Like, you're super I, I thought about it a while ago, and then I re-remembered. Like, oh, shit, I wanted to do that. Yeah. And I think it would bring a little color to my life to like be producing something interesting rather than just going to work every day and worrying about bills. Because yeah. that's all I've been doing. That's a grind. Yeah, a I've been grind. just grinding. And you need to fucking <clears throat> back off and do something else. Yeah. And to be honest, reading is not viscerally engaging enough right now. Yeah. And I just keep putting the book down and not paying attention, really. And so that's not doing it for me. And I don't want my fallback of being interested to go to YouTube or Netflix or something like that. Because that's passive. You know, you're just taking it in. I want to do something where you're going to fucking sit down and... So, guy who wrote MacGyver. Uh, he's a, He was a Johnny. He went to St. John's. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He put out a book that he put a link to. You can get it for free uh, from the Facebook page... Uh, anyway, I can maybe send you a link or something. Sure. Um, anyway, the real thing that boils down to he has a creative process where he is he's trying to come up with an idea and he can't. And so he writes down something like on a whiteboard, like, what can I write a story about? You know, what, what can I write a, a day's script about? Or maybe something a little more specific about the characters yeah. he thinks he wants to do, but he can't come up with something. Just writes it down, thinks about it for a while, and then he asks he, he asks his inner MacGyver. And he goes, all right, MacGyver, show me what you got. And then he goes, and his thing was building paper models. And he builds the paper model. He builds a little Eiffel Tower for like an hour or something. And when he's done with it, he goes back to the whiteboard and just starts writing whatever. Like writing, okay, I'm going to, what do, what do I want for lunch? Do, 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 what am I going to cook? And he starts thinking about that. And then all of a sudden, something will pop in his mind. Oh, you know what would be a great idea for the script? And he starts writing that down. Yeah. And so he figured out for himself a way to sort of evoke that, that spontaneous creativity. So there's, he's, he's trying to come up with a system that lets his sort of subconscious or maybe unconscious, somewhere in there, chew on ideas. Yeah. Um, and 
that's pretty fascinating. So I wanted to try that and integrate the painting. So instead of doing the Eiffel Towering, I'll start painting. Yeah. You know, I'll just write in a notebook. Do do do. What do I want to do? What do, uh, some idea? Now, do you think uh, talking about ideas deflates them? No. Okay. I think that's a myth. I don't know why that comes up, and yeah. it's it's pervasive that people seem to think it's it's like don't talk to the pitcher when he's throwing a no hitter. Just let him do his thing. Yeah. Let him, ooh, let him do it. But I don't think that's the way it works with us. I think engaging in stuff can help. I do know that in certain situations, like if I have an idea, I don't want to talk to people about it because sometimes they'll just sh- start shooting it down. Yeah. You know, and that sucks because you can't get the outward support you want, you know? Okay. But if you can find people, to even just talk neutrally about it, not give you a nece- like an opinion or yeah. one way. All it's doing is putting it out there in another way. And there's a neurological connection to even writing stuff down. If you have things, you write it down. I mean, you might not remember it all that much better, but it's been pretty clinically studied that you're making a new connection in your brain with what you're writing down and what you're thinking. And the same thing happens with conversation, just putting it out there. Um, I think it's a big problem that people will immediately start naysaying. I mean, it's so common. They'll be like, well, and they'll start thinking about all the roadblocks. Mm -hmm. And I do this to myself, and I've just inculcated that habit, and it's awful. But people just do it all the time, you know? It's like the devil's advocate, right? Like, if you're talking to somebody, and they're just going to play the opposite, it doesn't require much thought. They just have to to go like, "Mm, well, that won't work because of this. Now, here's, in a video game, as you progress in the video game, the the adversaries get harder. So if you're encountering people that are that are more difficult to deal with, you might be going in the right direction. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You might you might be like facing this because it's it's helping solidify. But the problem I see with talking about ideas versus just putting them into action is when I if I'm talking about ideas, I can talk about a million different ideas. Yeah. And then I create these things that I might actually have to do that I might not want to do. Like that's a good idea, but maybe I don't want to do that idea. And now I've talked to my buddy about it, and now I've brought it up. And now next time he sees me, does he go, "Hey, did you do that?" Yeah. And I go, "Oh no, I haven't done it yet." Yeah. And then I go, and then and then it hurts because then I've now established a bunch of shit that I have to do yeah. that I don't really want to do. So it's a it, the talking about stuff versus doing stuff can be it can it can hurt me. It can yeah. be detrimental. Yeah. yeah. I think recently I've been uh, getting back into working out, and I just haven't been talking about it. And it's yeah. actually helped a lot. Yeah. Um, so I do see what you're saying a little bit. I think, yeah. like, if I, when I started talking, like, any... <sighs> Talk is cheap. So, what the, you know, old boy who's a good friend of mine, who you know, um, yeah. if I talk to him about certain things, he he'll, he'll will kind of, like, give, like offer a, a, what he thinks is a better alternative. Yeah. But it's a thing that he's not doing and doesn't do, but thinks is better. Yeah. And immediately it's like deflating towards the enthusiasm I had to the thing. And then I, I, I think it sits with me too hard. Yeah. And then I end up not doing it and thinking, oh, you know, there's better ways. But instead I'm like, fuck it. And then I, I, in, like I was running the other night because I went to the gym and I forgot my alternate shoes, which you need at that gym. Yeah. You can't have the outside shoes. Anyway, so I forgot them, so I just kept running. Yeah. I just kept going, 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 and I kept thinking the same things I always thought when I started running. Like, yeah, this sucks. I don't want to keep going. And ba- like keeping a boundful step instead of a slap step is hard after a while. Yeah. And then yeah. I just kept saying, "Fuck the haters." Fuck <laughs> and the I haters. kept going, like, yeah. "Fuck them." And 
I realized that like my little negative thoughts were the haters, and they're yeah. coming from me. So a little bit, I'm saying like fuck that portion of me that is naysaying myself all the time. Yeah. But the phrase felt like it was me versus something else, and it was empowering a little bit. So I'm like fuck that, and I kept going. And then I would like imagine imagine running with somebody else when like they wanted to slow down, and they'd be like, no, we're gonna do this, and I would speed right. up a little bit more, and it helped a lot. And uh, not talking, I mean, talking about it right now is kind of nice because I'm not going to just immediately get some opinion like, yeah. oh, well, you know, maybe I, it's awful. But like, well, and then yeah. I like doing the weightlifting. So I did that today and I'm getting back into it. And if I talk about that too much, immediately I got people in my life that'll be like, oh, you know, weightlifting is not that good for you. You know, and I'm like, Ooh. so that yeah. can be really detrimental. Yeah. So I guess I do. You're right. I think you have to be careful with how you talk about the it. The mind, there is like the inner bitch, as Joe Rogan calls him. <laughs> the inner bitch doesn't want you to do anything. He wants you to, he wants you to waste away. <sighs> he wants you to die. Almost. Yeah. And he'll, and, and he'll or it or whatever, it's always there. But like one of my buddies said, we were in Cabo San Lucas. He's like, put him in the back seat. Like, you ain't allowed to drive anymore, motherfucker. You ain't driving the car. And any time that I want to do some shit, like I got to boil down a podcast episode, there's two hours of my life right there. Mm. If I have to go do that, there's always somebody who's got some more fun thing to do before I come up to the office. There's always somebody that's like, we can go do this right now, or I can go walk the dog, or there's a million different things I can do besides the one thing I know I have to do that'll be good for me in the long run. Um, and it's not easy uh, to get there, but you did it. And it's fucking cool to watch it. I, you know, uh, because there's always going to be that person. And that's just their role. Their role mm. is to be the naysayer. It's, it's, it's like, I appreciate them. Yeah. Being that, you know, yeah. like, oh, be that negative dude. Fuck it. Yeah. And you I, I got to say, like, my relationship with this person I was talking about specifically, I mean, it's not just the only one. No. person and a lot of times there's good stuff you know it's just some hab habitual things he's not a bad dude no, 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 he's not a bad not. dude at all he's a great dude he's just yeah. he's just who he is is who he is right <laughs> yeah, <it's fine. laughs> until he figures it out yeah. <laughs> i guess for a minute I, you know i don't know but uh yeah and so uh, painting and working out i think are going to be my next um semi-creative things i know working out doesn't sound creative but you're 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 investing in in this your temple yeah. you yeah. know it's big well mind body spirit right yeah. and if any of it is out of balance in any way <laughs> the whole thing is shit right so you got you yeah. have to so my question is how accurate is that and i think it is i think it's really close to correct like the that sort of trifecta it's the holy trinity there's and there's the Father, these guys Son, i look up to who who are people who like pioneered the program at St. John's College yeah. and they did incredible things. Uh, and I love reading some of the things they wrote. But, you know, one of them, I did this one guy, I think it was String Fall Bar, uh, just hated working out. Like he hated, he didn't give a shit about his body. <laughs> and, and, you know, that kind of diminishes that. It's good though, because you're not really supposed to put these people on a pedestal. You're supposed to realize they're just another person, even if they were brilliant, said great things. And the work might be laudable, but the person, it's just another person. So, you know, it is hard. There's no, there's no perfect pinnacle. So it's and then like, how, where, how do you direct yourself to finding that? Because there's no person that fulfills that. There isn't really a guru that's got it. You know, maybe he's got it for him, but he's not that whole thing. That path isn't going to work for you. So that I think is a difficult thing. And you're, and the only way you can do it is just keep 
fucking pushing buttons and flipping switches to you figure out how you get the mind, the body, and the spirit going, you know, going well. Yeah. A guy named um, Aceves, that was his last name in the military, uh, he said, uh, leadership is a lonely road. You know, either you're following somebody and, you know, that person you follow could be the person that uh, poo-poos your ideas that will help you. You know, yeah. they, why would they want you to be your ultimate self? They want you to follow them on their path because they think their path is the ultimate path. So, you know, the, the lonely road of, of following your own path is uh, is truly leadership, you know. Mm. And sure, like, I know this big Jordanian man, he's a bit of a, bit of a shifty fellow but he does says some brilliant things sometimes and he uh he's like let them come to you let them come to you <laughs> power play it's kind of well, kind of it's like instead of instead of trying to find somebody to to direct the road you know it's like go on your own road let them they'll be there they'll come Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think you can't always just be an absolute leader. Like, you can say, I'm a leader in my own life or something, you know? Oh, yeah. And then there's other places where you follow and learn or something, you know? And um, I think maybe the reason following is so pervasive and seems, in most cases, if you took, like, one subject and said, who, who in this place is a leader and a follower? More followers are there. And one, it just seems to make sense that that's how it's going to structure. But two... I think it's just it's like there's a comfort in having one above you that you can look up to and go like you know there's somebody's making some decision that i can ingest rather than me having to make that decision rather than me having to figure out the path i can follow the one more tread and it's it's, that's that's like a warm little blanket you know somebody prescribed the right thing and i can just get it rather than having figuring it out it's cold and scary it's frightening because Going in, long decision. Going into the darkness. Yeah. You're going, you're going into the, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. You know? But when you do, when you do go off into the darkness or whatever, and you discover that the darkness is just another form of light, and you carry with you the, the, the brightest torch ever, which is your you, <laughs> the you. <laughs> then you, you go okay okay it's okay yeah it's okay it's going to be okay yeah and it's I, beautiful to see man i think that's what i want to do with these things like just get stronger and uh start putting my mind on different creative tasks yeah. to sharpen those tools and to become more bright yeah. you know just be that light whatever it means and it was kind of interesting when I heard somebody say, like, science does this thing where it's like a bonfire that they're constantly building bigger and bigger. Uh-huh. And all it's really doing is making the bubble of darkness bigger, you know. So when you become brighter and brighter, you see more and more and you, you're, you can sort of purvey over a bigger life, be a more powerful person. And then that what's beyond that, that bubble of darkness used to be only this much surface area. And now it's getting more and more and more. Uh-huh. You know, so while your control gets bigger, the mystery gets bigger too. Uh-huh. The more you learn, the less you know, kind of thing. More fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's the place to be. I think it might be scary, and that's why people don't really put themselves out there. Yeah. But I think that's the place to go. Well, that being said, uh, Kevin Cheney, it's been a really good podcast, man. Yeah, not bad. I love talking to you. <laughs> I can, we'll do it again. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Bye, bye, internet. Bye. Peace. <laughs> Kill. All right, everybody.